0: Everyone ready? Ready.
1: Yep. I'm fine. I
0: sure am. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Session Zero of Bug City Blues. My name is Connor. You may know me from Clinton's Core Classics. I do some audio editing, and now I'm going to be telling a story about Shadowrun. Uh, Long story short, I've wanted to make a Shadowrun podcast for a long time. That's kind of originally what the plan was when we were starting Rise of the Rune Lords. And I've got an idea of what a Shadowrun podcast would look like and I, I thought it'd be a good idea to sit down with me and my eventual cast and kind of discuss what that what, what it all would look like what what my goal would be joining me I have Clinton you might also recognize him as the previous game master of Clinton's core classics Arise of the Rune Lords first edition actual play podcast
2: okay how you doing guys glad to
3: be here in this round table with you guys
0: also recognizable we have Alex
3: hi everybody I am very glad to be here.
0: Listeners might recognize we have Reetan. Hi, that's me. I'm Reetan. There's a chance you might recognize her. She was here with us at the very beginning. We have Nicole.
4: Hi. Glad to be here, too.
0: And then finally, our newcomer to the table. I have an old pal of mine, Chris.
5: How you guys doing? Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun.
0: So I thought it would be beneficial for us to just sit down with one another and discuss what it is we're going to be doing with this project. Give both listeners, and I guess each other as well, an idea of what they're in for. I wanted to talk about what I think a Shadowrun podcast would look like, specifically a Shadowrun actual play podcast. This would be taking place in the sixth world edition of the game, the the most recent one. In my mind it would be a game that is accurate. This is both in rule and in setting. One of the cool things about this game is it's got like 40 years worth of meta and I'm very eager to explore this fun world. I also want it to be familiar, not just in that it's serialized, story-wise, but listeners should be rewarded for listening. The goal is that I'll be telling stories through supporting cast as well as through y'all and opportunities for more than just faceless jobs will appear. Uh, I refer to this as the Simpsons effect. I wanted the people in our world to be familiar, like, if you're seeing somebody there, they have a name, they're doing something, and that can be explored. And then finally, a game of Shadowrun should be intriguing and exciting. This is a game that lets you do cool stuff. Cool stuff is cool, right? The question that a brand new listener might have, if they've never heard about this game before is, well, what is a Shadowrun? The book definition that they give is any illegal or quasi-legal activity undertaken on behalf of a corporate, military, or governmental organization that favors anonymity. Basically, you guys are gonna be heisters, and the heists that you do will collectively tell the story of a futuristic 2080s Chicago. Specifically, I'm gonna be playing this game in and the surrounding area of the Chicago Containment Zone, where all sorts of wacky stuff's happening. We'll get into it later. The types of heists you do will ultimately be up to you and your contacts. The question I'm sure that they're going to be asking a lot is, hey, what do you guys want to do? We'll take it from there. You could do anything you want as long as it's what I have planned for the afternoon.
3: (laughs) I love that.
0: Next on my itinerary would be to discuss my influences. The story is going to to feel at least a little bit familiar or similar to these. First on my list is the A-team. If all goes according to plan, you guys are going to be able to view yourselves as a group of highly specialized professionals who are hired for results above all else. There's going to be a little bit of a story that gets told with the people you interact with. But that being said, yes, they are going to mostly be faceless hunchmen that hopefully get taken out without ever actually having to hurt them. You know, they, they always fall into a barrel, but you never see them like get hurt,
2: you know? Right, empty mags and mags
0: of AK-47s and hit nothing. Those are warning shots. Well, they do blow stuff up. I love the (laughs) idea. They'll do property damage, sure. Right, oh yeah. (laughs) I I think we will do our fair (laughs) share of property damage before all is said and done as well. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, Another big inspiration is the game Payday, specifically the composition and planning of a heist. Sometimes Objective A to Objective B to Objective C can kind of just feel like following a narrow tunnel, and I'm going to try to avoid that. I'm going to try to make these objective-based heists a little more variable in execution. We'll see how it plays out. Another inspiration is the cyberpunk games, which if you already know what Shadowrun is, chances are you already know what cyberpunk is. But the idea that there's many solutions to a problem that can exist and a gun's not necessarily always going to be the best solution to a problem, I'm pulling heavily from that idea of thought. And then finally, for the atmosphere, uh, if you know Final Fantasy VII, the Midgar slums, in my mind, the Chicago Containment Zone looks just like that. You got a whole bunch of high-tech low-lives just trying to live. The show will take place in a futuristic 2080 Chicago, where the loop and its surrounding area, known as the Containment Zone, has mostly been co-opted by gangs, the mob, corporate interests, ghoul communities, things that you wouldn't expect to... Ghouls?
2: A community of ghouls sounds terrifying.
0: The fun thing about the Shadowrun world is ghouls, elves, dwarves, these fantasy concepts, they all come back. And I'll get to it, but if you're a fan of Arthurian Knights and also are a fan of Cyberpunk, for example, you're gonna feel right at home in Shadowrun. That being said, a starting point for any role-playing game should be a session zero. I think it would be pertinent to explain who everyone here is in the show. Sure. We have our mage of the team, Clinton, who's playing a character, River Bear.
2: Sure, River Bear is a tribal Native American troll from uh, around the Seattle area, but he's not one of the biggest or the strongest trolls. He's uh, more of a very wise nature connected troll. He's a shaman. So he can go to the astral plane. He can cast spells like invisibility. He can heal the team. So he's a support and leader guide character. Big and imposing. Most people don't want to mess with him. He is very tough. He's not the most athletic though. (laughs) he's pounding a few too many beers at the bar you'll get to learn about all that coming up here soon
0: next on my list is Chris who's playing the Team Bruiser do you want to introduce Lester Moore
5: I'm a Chicago native. I've spent my time fighting Operation Extermination for the Ares Army. I am a vet. I believe very much in doing the right thing. I'm a bit of a boy scout. I do follow a Bushido code of keeping things honest and pure and attempting to protect the innocent and help the downtrodden. Rather than being a heister, I am more of a vigilante. I have a morally flexible code to an extent, but uh, for the most part, it's if I don't do the right thing, uh, I have a real problem with myself. And I'm just trying to help the less fortunate with my actions.
0: Lester more takes being a street samurai, more than just being a big menacing brute with a bat. I like that about him. Sounds like he's got honor.
4: Yeah, he's a good dude. I
0: do have honor.
5: It's as if I'm honor bound.
0: Next on my list of nerds is Alex, who's going to be playing the Razor Girl Pancetta.
3: So. Basically, my idea for Panchetta is, as you said, to be a racer girl. She is going to be highly augmented, but more than that, I wanted to go with a theme of stranger in a strange land. So she is going to be raised in a corporate environment on the other side of the world, in Germany, in an arcology, And then coming to Chicago is going to be quite a bit of a culture shock for her, even though she's probably familiar with a lot of themes that are happening here. The context is going to be something that will give her a bit of a throw, I think. So I guess the best way to put it is I just wanted a new perspective, new character, but with an understanding of what's happening in the world. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, Stranger in a Strange Land is the best way to describe it.
2: Uh, you said a lot about
3: your desire for her, but what, what does she look like? What, what's her quirks and stuff? All right. Well, uh, she's a human. There's nothing meta about her. She's a typical human besides being highly augmented. And that plays out in the way that she dresses, the way that she carries herself. The way I would describe that, I suppose, is cat girl with a gun.
0: You know, very typical.
3: Right. Yeah. Very right. typical for twenty eighty. It's probably not too much out of place. You probably see that type of thing <laughs> okay. every once in a while. With whether she's got a gun or a sword or something. You probably do see, I would think, that kind of thing. Are you saying that she's got cat ears and a tail? I am, yes. <laughs> okay, this is great.
0: Yeah. It helps her balance.
4: Yeah, we are gonna have a cat girl in the party.
3: Cybernetic, right? Of course, cybernetic, yes. And and augmented, enhanced. She's got a bit of a thing going on. Thematic. Ooh, she sounds scary.
4: The ears and tail, are they actually furry? Are you tabby?
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like
5: you have a problem with yarn.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why haven't we been playing this up? Conjuring a ball of yarn is for sure going to be a thing.
0: It's never too late. (laughs) Next on my list is Nicole, who's going to be bringing Mo to the party.
4: Yes, um, Moira Goldleaf, like Pancetta in a way, is kind of out of her element. This is kind of a, a different thing, but it's more, it's not being from a faraway land or anything. She's from Seattle. She came up in a media empire family and as the middle child of her generation of, of offspring goldleafs. She's kind of been a second an afterthought in a lot of things in her family and she's kind of just looking for something new that she can call her own. But the, uh, the, the kind of fish out of water situation she's in is she knows basically nothing about shadow running. She just kind of decided that it would be something fun to try. <laughs> she is... An elf. She generally dresses in a business type suit, usually like a, a navy color. She, she's pretty basic professional looking. She's not super out there appearance-wise. And I think that's partially because of her career as, as a media producer within the family company. And also she's just kind of used to being in the background, so she just hasn't really taken an opportunity to stand out in any way but she does still have the the social skills from working in media to be the infiltrator slash kind of face character for the party
0: everyone's got to get their start somewhere as far as shadow running parties go this is a pretty solid group
4: mo is yeah definitely out of her element at the beginning of this story and she's hoping to come into her own during it she doesn't have a whole lot of self-confidence at the beginning of this story we'll hope that changes
0: and finally, at the end of the table, we have Reeton, who's playing Lockdown.
1: I like how you don't call me by my real name. You're Reeton to me.
0: <laughs> okay, it's Nathan.
1: That's me. I'm Lockdown. The thought behind my character was I wanted to go kind of the opposite of the way I went in our Pathfinder campaign. Right. The brutal
2: axe murdering hobgoblin.
1: Well, I, I, was a, I was a dwarf, but oh, now I'm there, a dwarf I'm that hacks things.
2: How dare I say hobgoblin?
1: Oh that's, that's true. I was I was transformed. If you haven't listened, I was right. transformed into a bugbear at one point. <laughs> 1% but, chance. Yeah, 1% chance, and it happened. Anyway. But in this one, I wanted to go the opposite, so I decided to make a Decker who was a little down on his luck at the beginning, and I had a little house, but I needed to start doing some more shadow running so that I could get a bigger place and kind of improve my standing. And that's the gist oh. of it.
2: That's how you is. answered the ad.
1: So that's how I, I got the phone call to to go join a group of runners, and that's where our story began, I believe.
2: Yeah, I think you'll be sitting in the van a lot, as the decker is often wont to do.
1: I also will probably drive the van. I have some uh, piloting experience too.
3: I really hope you don't do anything dumb.
1: No. I don't think that's going to happen. That means you
3: should be a good driver, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Of course.
3: All right. That's
2: established.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we're all going to make great decisions. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything's going to be a-okay.
2: Okay. Uh, so this world of magic and technocracy sorcery, what, 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 who, who rules here?
0: I'm actually glad you said that. I sort of had a loose itinerary that started with introducing the big 10 players of the Shadowrun world. The top ten mega corporations. Right. These are the ones pulling all the strings.
2: This is worldwide, or just here in Chicago?
0: This is worldwide. They actually have a base set up in space, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Oh my. Okay.
4: So we're, we're starting with the history of the world, and then later on, is there going to be discussion about mechanics or anything, or are we just going to explain that as we go through the campaign?
0: I didn't intend for any discussion of mechanics. We, we could talk about it real quick, though. The the general gist of how the game is played, if you think of like a, a Pathfinder or a D&D, you got a whole bunch of different sized dice, you know, a 4-sided dice, a 6-sided dice, a 20-sided dice, and you roll the one that you need for the situation, you add usually a static modifier, and then, you know, there's usually situational ones as well, and you see if that number beats another number. That's a system that works, but it's totally not what Shadowrun does. Shadowrun is played using all 6-sided dice, so you probably already have what you need somewhere at home anyways. And instead of rolling them to add up a total, you see how many of them land on a 5 or a 6. And that's how many successes you get. Instead of rolling a a 16, you roll your 6 dice and though 4 of them were 5 or 6. That's 4 hits. In addition, if over half of them are a 1, that's considered a glitch. Now you can still succeed and glitch, but whenever that happens, something goes wrong. You might be able to pick the lock on the door, but oops, you accidentally triggered the alarm that was on it too. You're in, what are you gonna do now? And then there's an even worse condition to that where if you get more than half of ones on your roll and no hits, that's a critical glitch. That's when you've really messed things up.
2: Not only did you open the door, trigger the alarm, but you also, it electrically electrocutes you or sets it on fire. Yeah, something random like that.
0: There's a short list in a table of things I'm recommended to do when critical glitches happen. And even on that list of recommendations, there's some pretty brutal punishments.
2: Once you understand the ratios kind of things, I think it really opens up the GM to fit the situation. I like how Shadowrun does that. You roll the dice first to see how good you did, and then you kind of describe what happens.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: It's like the dice dictate the story.
2: Right. Other games are like, oh, well, how do you we swing? Well, I want to hit his head. Well, that's a called shot. And so, you know, all that comes from the back end. I like the idea. Oh, you roll the dice. Oh, my gosh. It's like critical success. You hit. Now, how do you want that to be described, player? Player just goes, oh, it's this
0: good. And I'll be honest, that is one of my favorite aspects of this game. Yeah. There are some other games who maybe have similar attempts that succeed a little better. Things like Apocalypse World, perhaps. But Shadowrun definitely has a lot more success with the complexity of it. If you're looking for a game that allows you to really micromanage every little detail, Shadowrun will scratch that itch.
2: White Wolf had a good system, too, for descriptive story play with
0: dice. I do like the approach of, you do something, tell me how you do it let's roll and see how well it happened
2: yeah critical success how be- much better this turned out to be or oh critical glitch holy moly it's <laughs> we just drove off the cliff
3: <laughs>
0: but in general communicative storytelling is very much what i'm interested in this this is yeah. this is not my story this is our story i just happen to have it in chicago
5: right and we're always flying by the seat of our pants yes if, right. if
0: you're not over the top of your heads at every moment i'm not doing my job appropriately.
3: In my experience, that seems to be the overall way that shadow plays out, is that if you're not in over your head... At least a little bit. Yeah, it seems to be...
2: I have to say, uh, Alex's command of the knowledge of this game through mechanics is astounding to me, because his
3: character
2: (laughs) is like a crack shot, has all these options and modifiers, and it looks like a multi-tiered operation system fine-tuned to kill this cat girl is it, amazing how he built that in the mechanics of this game that's impressive to me it's
0: not just lethality right one of pancetta's strongest traits is that she's an infiltrator that doesn't need to get things dirty like right the wet work she can do but
2: mm-hmm. she doesn't know she
0: knocks people out all the time and it's great all the time it's awesome or
2: so too much to River Bear's appreciation.
3: Thank you for the compliments, both of you guys. I did a lot of homework to make sure that this character played the way that I wanted. Yeah, it shows. That I envisioned her when I came up with her head. And I definitely am pleased. Thank you.
5: It's great having a pro Thank back.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Normally, that would be Connor if he was playing the game. So I appreciate that I have enough knowledge that you guys feel can fulfill that. So thank you. Oh, for- yeah.
4: I've learned a ton from you. I am the newbiest noob who ever noobed, so.
3: That just shows my enthusiasm for the universe that Shadowrun is in.
0: It's a fun world. And I was going to mention, I specifically have players who who have played Shadowrun before, and some of us are completely brand new to this.
2: I'm new to Shadowrun, but veteran, definitely eh, 38 years now playing role-playing games.
0: I got a good mix of all type here. and I think the diversity shines the most in our decision making and just how right. we approach situations. Yes, It's good to have a, a blend of it all.
2: And Nick brings in a fresh perspective and a new viewpoint to uh, the old school dogs here.
4: It's mm-hmm. great.
2: Really appreciate it.
4: I'm pretty new in general. Oh, well, thank, thank you. I, I feel so welcomed by you guys. Agreed. I've been in a couple of different role-playing game groups, of course. I'm brand new to Shadowrun. I really didn't get a grasp on any other role-playing game because, you know, I would be in groups and, you know, they would fall apart for whatever reason, like people's schedules didn't work out or whatever. But just being with this group has been really great because... It's it's just been a really gratifying thing to, to get together with you guys every week and roll some dice and have some fun. Uh, it's It's been really, really awesome, and I'm really glad that, that we've gelled so well as a group.
0: The yeah. feeling
3: is mutual. Yeah, it's a good group. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Well, Thank shucks. you. Really. Everyone come in for a group hug.
5: Bring it in, everyone. Group hug, everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Without further ado, these are the, the major players. Like I said earlier, the ones who are pulling the strings and seeing at least what their marketing is. You know, that tells you a lot about the world and just in how it's presented. So I've got this list. This is the big 10 mega corporations of Shadowrun and I've alphabetized it. That is the only rating that I have in mind with how I present these 10 companies. First on my list is Ares Macro Technology. Their corporate court rating is ninth. Oh, what's the corporate court you're asking? Don't worry, we'll get into it. Their slogan, making the world a safer place. Know them, I work for them. Their status is a triple A corporation that's as high as you could be, and they are publicly traded. Their headquarters is out of Detroit, inside of the UCAS, that's United Canadian and American States. Again, we'll we'll get into it. The president is Damien Knight, and you know them for making your favorite gun and arresting you for using your favorite gun. (laughs) Of course. Next on my list is Technology. Their corporate court rating is fourth. Their slogan is the way to a better tomorrow. They are a AAA corporation, privately traded. Their headquarters is out of Tenochtitlan, Azitlan. You might be saying, Azitlan, why not Mexico? Won't get to it. Uh, Their president is Flavia de la Rosa, and you know them for their great PR. They sell microwave burritos at thousands of worldwide locations, and also ruthlessness and blood magic, but they usually keep those under wraps.
2: Burrito, okay.
0: Soy burritos. Or, you know, if it's not soy, it's uh, it's an artificial so, protein. What's the
2: chain called again?
0: You probably know them from Stuffer Shack.
2: Oh, well, that's,
0: I like those things. I eat a lot of those things. Yeah. They're cheap and they're
2: everywhere. Um, yeah, they're cheap. Aztec burritos. Mm-hmm.
0: Next on my list is the Evo Corporation, Evo. They are seventh in the corporate court. Their slogan is changing life. They are also a AAA company, publicly traded, hosted out of Vladivostok, Russia. Their president is Yasil, who is a Naga, and you Hello. know them for a billion <laughs> commercials pitying you for not being awesome enough to sport their entire line of enhancements and augmentations.
2: So they're a biotech company?
0: Primarily, yes.
2: Uh,
0: okay. All of these mega corporations kind of dabble in everything else. They usually have, you know, child companies that do that. Right. Next on this list is the Horizon Group, for example, who they they like own social media companies, for example. Every one of these companies has their similar equivalent, but usually there's one company who shines brighter than the rest.
4: And uh, just a sidebar, Moe's family's business is a subsidiary of Horizon.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. We will talk about Horizon next. They are dead last in the corporate court rating uh, of the Big Ten, at least. There's, There's other ones, but the Big Teners are the ones that matter, right? Their slogan is, we know what you think. They're also a AAA corporate, uh, privately traded. Headquarters is based out of Los Angeles, inside of the PCC. That's the Pueblo Corporate Council. President is Gary Klein. You know them for your favorite Tridio shows, your favorite music, your favorite off-book Benraku parlors that offer services of people who look like your favorite performers. Uh-oh. It's a good time. Good company. Oh, my. Uh, again, If there's any questions in the meanwhile, feel free to <laughs> interrupt me.
3: Yeah, what's a trio? Tridio.
0: Oh, good question. A tridio is a 3D video, basically. Oh, whoa,
2: whoa. So you, there's these panels on the wall that you can see into infinity and it, perspective would change?
0: Yep. If you have cyber eyes, it probably even plugs into that and just calculates whoa. what it would look like for you.
5: This world is just so confusing.
2: I have seriously underestimated the environment I, my, my character's been walking
0: through. That's good to see. There's a whole lot of neon and screens and devices everywhere, and right. And the more like modern and, and civilized,
2: it, it gets even further. But while it's out in the wastelands like we're at, it's like some of the buildings don't work. The electric grid is a little shaky. And there's jittery vibrations to the lights and. I can imagine that, right? Like
0: Yes, and that is definitely by design while you're inside of the containment zone. Right, and that's our home. The stuff that they get inside of the walls there is imported if you're lucky, and it's probably a little outdated by the time you get it, but it's so, what you get when you're inside of the wall. Right.
4: And kind of an interesting thing for me with this game is, you know, a lot of role-playing games, especially the ones I've tried out like D and D kind of high fantasy and, you know, historically based and things like that. And so I've had to completely change my role-playing mindset to play this futuristic game, but it's been really awesome.
0: You get to do fantasy stuff. You just have to drive your car to do it. Right.
2: And there is fantasy elements to this world. There are glowing sigils. And walls of force and things come and go invisibly. Uh, there's illusions. So there's a lot of magic in the world too. And interdimensional spirits coming and meddling with us. It's a
0: fun place. It is a fun place.
4: Well, the Shadowrun world even has dragons too, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Dragons are a big part of the Shadowrun
2: world. Wait, a wasn't some of those corporations owned by dragons?
0: I do have dragons on the corporate list here. I haven't discussed any of them mm. just yet. We will get to that though.
5: Okay. But that's one thing that my character enjoys doing as we're existing in this futuristic world, you know, the futuristic now, man. My character is a bit of a dullard, very charismatic, but a bit of a dullard. And uh, he kind of likes to operate the technology with as much force as possible to force his tech to work. There's a lot of broken screens in my life.
0: Right. Some people just have gremlins, you know, the tech breaks. (laughs) My troll-sized ones are super huge.
5: I can barely do email.
0: Next on my list is Mitsuhama Computer Technologies. They are number one in the corporate court rating. They are the top dogs. Their slogan is, the future is Mitsuhama. They're also a AAA publicly traded status corporation. Their headquarters is out of Kyoto in the Japanese Imperial State. Fun fact, Japan becomes extremely xenophobic in the future. Good luck getting in there if you don't have a corporate court sponsorship. Their president is Toshiro Mitsuhama. It's a family business after all. And you know them for the cold feeling of fear in your heart whenever you hear the words Mitsuhama Zero Zone. We'll save that discussion for a future date, I think. Hmm. I don't want to scare anyone away just yet.
2: So I have a question. You're talking about these corporations like they're owning territory?
0: Yeah. I I got something lined up for introducing that, but uh, to spoil the story a little bit, all of these corporations get to set the rules for anything that happens within their jurisdictions. Right. Well, We'll get to more of that later. Okay. Next on my list is the Renraku Computer Systems Corporation. Corporate court rating is number three. Their slogan is "Today's solutions to today's problems." Uh, all of these corporations are AAA public. I'm gonna stop saying that. They're out of Chiba, Japan. President is Anazo Aneki, and you know them for that big flat-topped pyramid downtown that sends chills through your spine every time you see it. Also, computers. Also, Renraku Red Samurai, which are a private military force that are feared, not respected, feared, across the world. Mm. When I mentioned their uh, extraterritoriality, that also includes being able to house a private military. Right. Yeah, the future's fun. Uh Speaking of the future, we foreshadowed dragons being a big part of that, and we can't talk about dragon corporations without bringing up Seder Krupp. This is Seder Krupp's Heavy Industries. They are number two on the corporate court. Their slogan is, One Step Ahead. Their headquarters is out of Essen in the Allied German states, and their president is Lofwehr. Who's Oh, well, He's a big old scary dragon, that's who Lofwehr is. And he is the CEO.
3: He's not so bad once you get to know him, you just have to talk to him a little bit. Trust me. Oh, that sounds great.
0: <laughs> Anyways, you know Seder Krupp for perhaps being single-handedly responsible for the adage, never cut a deal with a dragon.
3: Yeah. Look, what I just say, come on. You really got to <laughs> cut the guy a
1: break.
0: <laughs> Next is Shioase. The Shiowase Corporation is corporate court rating number five. Their slogan is Advancing Life. Headquarters is out of Osaka. President is Koren Yamana. And you know them for their desperate attempt to get as cozy with the Japanese Imperial State as Aztechnology as is with Azitlan. We'll discuss Spinrad Global. These are the newest players in the corporate court, and they've already jumped up to the rating of eighth. Their slogan is, for a better life. Their headquarters is out of Lisbon, Portugal, and their president is the infamous Johnny Spinrad. You know them for having a CEO who somehow gets paternity lawsuits while skydiving. And then last on my alphabetical list, I have Wu Jing Incorporated. Number six in the corporate court, their slogan is, we're behind everything you do.
5: Oh, hold on. <laughs> okay.
0: Their headquarters is out of Hong Kong, out of the free enterprise enclave.
5: They
3: sound helpful. They do, right? <laughs> If you've noticed, a lot of these guys really have truthful slogans. It's not like you have a reason to trust any of them at all. Actually, they're telling you the
2: truth. It's just not what you think it is. (laughs) What are you going to do about it?
0: And you know them for making you move several times during your meetups with Mr. Johnson so that you don't mess up the feng shui of that particular room. Right. And with that, at least with the major players, a lot of the surrounding world that is Shadowrun is heavily molded by their agendas. Oh, yeah. As well as the Shadowrunners that they hire to keep all of their agendas out of public view. Sounds like RL. There's a lot of times where we could talk about Shadowrun and then awkwardly look at the camera. Right. Once again, (laughs) was there any questions or comments before we proceed? No, this world's quite interesting.
5: I'm glad we're doing this, that we all uh, have a gist. Yeah, how prevalent...
2: Are these corporations going to be on our team? It sounds like we're kind of like in the no man's land.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that because explicitly of where you're at, not necessarily as high as other games. Now they might be pulling the strings behind some of the decisions and the jobs that you make, but I'm not necessarily interested in seeing what the big 10 have to do in Chicago. I'm more interested in seeing what Mm. street level runners are doing. And that's the term I'm going to use street level runners. If you've you've played Shadowrun before, that's probably something you're familiar with. If you're looking for a game where the chromed-out Corpo hotshots are doing high-tense VTOL runs with one another, there's probably a podcast out here, but it's it's not really the show that I'm trying to make. I'm trying to see what's going on in Chicago, not necessarily what's going on behind a desk of Chicago.
2: Right. And you want to see what the street-level people. Hannibal of the A-Team never helped. The big corporate bigwig. He was always helping the little people who were being robbed or downtrod by the corrupt and unjust.
0: It was great.
5: You could hire the A-team, but only if you can afford it. And that's right. And you could find them.
0: <laughs> that's, that's right. And it's by no accident that the runs that you guys are going through feel that way. Yeah, good. Yeah, I like that.
5: Do I get to be B.A.?
0: I think you are B.A.
5: <laughs> I'm not getting on any planes.
0: How does Lester feel about milk?
5: Oh, I'll drink. I'll drink milk. Hmm. Delicious.
4: Sleepy.
0: Uh, do you pity the food?
4: And Moe is not nearly as, as dashing and debonair as Hannibal, unfortunately.
0: In time. In time. Got to get those skills up.
5: You guys should call me GA because uh, I have a good attitude.
2: Well, does that make me the crazy one?
5: No, you're not. You're not <laughs> howling, man. I, I
2: think, think so. that you and
0: Lockdown can share each in Murdoch.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Lockdown's definitely he's a
5: planner. He's a bit of a wild card.
0: And, and yeah, Panchatta is definitely ace. Yeah. I pity the fool. Anyways, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Next I <laughs> um,
5: got in the A Team weeds.
0: Oh, Next know. is to go over the timeline of Shadowrun. And I'm going to warn you, this is going to be a little bit of a history dump. If you already know this stuff, this you know you could check out of here. I won't be offended. My intention as I tell this is that this timeline is going to have a little bit of a Chicago focus on it. I will talk about world events, but I'm mostly talking about where we're at and what's happening around us. That's good to know. So to start, what's the time? Well, there's a couple of places I could start talking about this. The time that might make the most sense is when dragons started emerging, but I'm actually going to go a couple steps back and just set the foundation. We're gonna start in the magical wild time of the 1990s. The Shadowrun world, for the most part, follows our timeline, but things start to diverge in the late 90s. And I'll start talking about this in 1997, where the Shiawase Corporation, hey, you know about them, files a request to the United States Nuclear Regulatory Committee to build a nuclear power plant. The request is denied, citing inability for local government involvement at the mandated level. Next, February 1st, 1999, the Canadian government begins kicking out natives off of their land. Hey, what? Boo, Canada. Boo, Canada. Gotta get that land for resources. And then on April 12th, 1999, New York was in the midst of ongoing rising tensions that were reaching a boiling point. Frequent riots were sparked by a combination of factors, including increased corporate control over food production and distribution, scarcity of resources, and socioeconomic disparities. These riots do a great job of setting the theme for what will follow in the world, highlighting the growing tensions and the social unrest in the Shadowrun universe due to the influence of megacorporations. An angry mob will attack a delivery truck that's owned by the Ceratec Corporation, believing it to be carrying food and water rather than its actual payload of hazardous waste. The Ceratec security team utilized firearms to keep the looters off of their truck, killing several of them, but saving much more than would have died if the waste were to have been released. And then the following riots killed 20 Ceratec employees and 200 civilians. As the world looked for someone to blame for the incident, the government of the United States accused the company for the use of deadly force. But on October 26th, in a ruling that altered the fate of the world, the Supreme Court of the United States finds that corporations have the right to maintain a private army to protect its assets. The ruling states that the company had a right to act as they did as to avoid greater harm to the public. And this paved the way for the growing of private armies for megacorporations. Uh, Shiawase, they hear about this and go right back to court. citing the ruling, and they receive the approval they need to build their reactor, provided it can efficiently maintain security. And then on October 3rd, the Canadian Special Forces conclude massacring any remaining natives who refuse to leave.
2: New Canada. So we've forked down the dystopian public-corporate partnership called fascism.
1: Tell me how this is different. (laughs) <laughs> it's in the future. When the
0: government <laughs> is eliminating all of your rights, sometimes they have pointy ears and bikey teeth.
1: So it's it's completely different. Got it.
0: We will move on to the 2000s. In the year 2000, Chiwase finishes its power plant. This pisses off the eco-terrorist group Terra First, who opposes the exploitation of natural resources by corporations. And they are the first to test the corporate private army as they attempt to breach the reactor. Now, I don't think they actually caused a meltdown, but I do believe they succeeded in sabotaging the plan and managed to leak a whole bunch of rads into the surrounding area for their trouble. Thanks, Tara first. The breach is blamed on awaiting the approval to go weapons hot near the reactor, as I understand it. And this eventually leads to the Shiawase decision, which grants extra territoriality to multinational corporations, granting them the same rights as sovereign governments. Hmm. Clinton, we had hinted to this earlier. This is yeah. This is when it all goes to shit. 2000, what? You get to do what you think is best on your land. What could go wrong? I'm sure this won't be an issue going forward down the road. And to end on a happy note, uh, around this time, scientists discover the Century ferret. January 1st, 2001, the Century nope. ferret is discovered in Edgebrook, Illinois. This is the first awakened animal, though oh. we wouldn't know it immediately. And what that means is it's magically active. It's, it's sensitive to the ebb of mana that exists in the world. We don't really know what that means but hey look we found this funny little animal that didn't exist before that's neat it ranges from one to two meters in length and it resembles a yellow brown mink with dark brown feet tail and mask with red marsupial-esque eyes it seems to be uniquely sensitive to the ebb and flow of mana in the astral plane something that we'll discuss more shortly also in 2001 the resource rush The United States and Canadian governments allow corporations to ransack approximately 25% of reserve land for resources. Uh, It sure does help when there's no natives on that land to defend it. This, of course, is immensely profitable for both parties. The complaints of the natives is widely ignored. This is the way. In 2004, Libya attacks Israel with chemical attacks. Ooh. And then Israel responds by detonating three nuclear bombs in retaliation. Ooh, Israel. Holy shit. Okay, it's kicking off in the Middle East not just the middle east things are warming up in the world that's what i want to express with that
1: so can you tell me how this is different
0: (laughs) and we all look right into the camera (laughs) (laughs) yeah just wait in 2007 the cartel families ortego ramirez and ortiz cease fighting form a resource development company called oro oro and quickly begin reaping the rewards of extraterritoriality we'll talk more about them later Why don't all the gangs just decide to become an official corporation? It seems much more efficient and on the books.
2: Sounds ethical. Isn't that gold, Oro? Isn't that gold in Spanish?
0: I believe that is correct. Aha. Uh-huh. Next on the calendar is 2009, the Lone Eagle incident. The sovereign American Indian movement, SAIM, overtake the Shiloh launch facility in Montana. Yay! Yay, American Indians. A lone ICBM is launched at Russia, but the missile mysteriously vanishes before it reaches its destination.
2: What did you mean, vanished? The launch seems like it was launched at Russia, but it never made it.
0: The missile left the station, but it never arrived at its destination. Something happened. Something happened. People don't know it.
5: Something magical, perhaps.
0: In result, the United States issues the Reeducation and Relocation Act, otherwise the Nepean Act in Canada. Natives are rounded up into re-education centers. Ooh,
2: big boo. boo. Boo!
0: Ironically, because of this, the Native American populace are spared the worst of VITAS. Uh, what's VITAS, you ask?
2: Yes, I do ask them, what is
0: VITAS? In 2010, virally-induced toxic allergy syndrome, I'm going to refer to this as VITAS throughout, emerges in New Delhi, eventually killing a quarter of the world population. Ooh, Vetus is an illness caused by highly lethal, highly communicable airborne virus that becomes evident 12 hours after initial exposure. Following incubation, initial symptoms include fever, chills, and vomiting. If unchecked, Vetus progresses into anaphylactic shock with an increase in histamine levels causing bronchospasms and vasodilation. Most deaths occur from bronchioconstriction constriction leading to suffocation. Over the next two years, the Vetus pandemic kills off approximately a quarter of the world's population, as I said. The most extreme response to the Vitas outbreak was the Terror Time Incident in Mexico City, in which the self-proclaimed Citizens Action Committee burned down most of the city to prevent infection. Whoa. Man. A similar incident occurred in Calcutta, resulting in the entire city being rebuilt. The Native American internment centers were, luckily, isolated enough where they were spared the most of the outbreak. Also around this time, BMW has merged with Cedar Munitions and Croup Manufacturing, and Quebec secedes from Canada
2: scrub back the yeah they've had enough of this nonsense
0: and we will move into the 2010s and things only get crazier from here in fact 2011 is referred to as the year of chaos
5: <laughs> it sounds chaotic
0: some babies are born with extra slender and narrow frames sharp pointed ears and elegant features you know kind of like elves of fantasy others are born quite diminished in size but very hardy in stature and just covered in hair you know like fantasy dwarves these and other regular people would eventually be referred to as Meta-Humanity, or Meta-Human, but we're not quite there yet. If I call something Meta-Human though, I'm referring to Mankind as a whole, pointy ears or otherwise. In general, the world begins to appear much more weird than initially believed. More oddities of a similar significance to the century Ferret are rapidly discovered. Meanwhile, reactors begin to melt down all across Europe around the same time that Ley Lines and Standing Stones begin to re-emerge. Phenomenon that can only be described as magic starts to occur, though very rarely with intent or control. And then finally, December 24th, 2011, the awakening happens. As the Shinkansen bullet train whisks its passengers through the Japanese countryside, Mount Fuji suddenly became the backdrop to a surreal spectacle. The air crackled with a magical charge as an ancient, winding dragon of immense size and power emerged from the mountain's depth. The worm then raced alongside the bullet train as passengers stared on in disbelief. And things just get weirder from there. Riots and panic spread rapidly as the world adjusts to its new normal. Some people say that the Shadowrun history starts when that dragon comes out of Fuji, but I feel like I'd be remiss to skip out on the details we've mentioned so far.
2: Right. This year of chaos sounds just like a Netflix series I just watched. Sweet Tooth? Worth watching? Yes.
0: Based off of a comic.
2: Children and a virus all at the same time. This virus goes crazy, kills not, you know, only 10% of the population that survive. All the children that are born are mutant. They are all hybrid animal. And some of the animals are also awakening and talking. And it's, the whole world is changing.
0: A little bit of that happens in Shadowrun as well. Like people become specifically like animal expressive, but that happens in the 2060s. We'll talk about that. We'll get to there.
2: Right. But it's, it's interesting how they have, and this
0: line are so similar. Hmm. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, This range of time kind of covers the 2011s to 2021, but Mayor Mike Maloney cuts a deal with mob Don Patrick Murphy to bring in food and medical supplies in exchange for keeping crime down, along with a cut. This allowed Chicago to avoid most of the tragedies like VITAS and Megacorp expansions that hit the rest of the world so devastatingly during this time, positioning it in a far better place than other cities, for the average citizen anyways.
2: Of course the government goes with the mob to do protection.
0: <laughs> someone's organized out there at least right of course they are in this time the mob and city hall develop very close bonds which never quite go away mm-hmm. in 2012 dunkel zahn Lulfweir, as well as other dragons begin to emerge and i should really take a moment and talk about dunkel zahn. i'd be remiss not to take a sidestep with him
5: who is dunkel zahn?
0: all of the dragons are a big deal in their own way but dunkel zahn was just a little bit different Dunkelzon first awakened in Cherry Creek Lake, Colorado on January 12th, 2012, weeks after the first dragon sightings. And the first thing he does is give an interview, a famous 12 hour long interview where he explains just what's going on in the world. Uh, interesting. This extremely incredibly boiled down version is that magic is a resource that ebbs and flows through the world in periods. Sometimes these periods have high magic, sometimes it has very little to none. This period we find ourselves in, uh, the audience, the cast, and, and, you know, us, is known as the Fifth Age, or the Fifth World. With the return of magic and dragons and metatypes and all that stuff that comes with it, that marks the start of the Sixth World. Totally unrelated to the game that we're playing, there's also a game called Earth Dawn, which is like Tolkien-style, esque fantasy. Mm-hmm. That, that takes place in the Fourth World.
2: The Mayan calendar in this reality mentions that the age we're currently ending at December 21st, 2012, was the end of the fifth age.
0: I I was not aware of that. Especially if you look at like the logos and stuff, there's a lot of ancient blending with futuristic in this game.
2: Yeah, where do you think these guys get this stuff?
0: Right, right, right. While Dunkelzahn's giving his interview, he also talks about the importance of equality and metahuman rights, corporate oversight, and the questioning of corporate authority. Ancient mysteries, prophecies, predictions, and most excitingly, politics! Dunkelzon delved deeply into the realm of politics, sharing a dragon's perspective on various global matters, power struggles, and the role of government in a rapidly changing world.
5: I imagine my character voted for (laughs) Dunkelzon.
0: A lot of people like Dunkelzon. We'll talk about that later. You weren't even a twinkle in your daddy's eye. I'm sure if you wanted to, you could find more information on this interview. But I promise we'll talk more about Uncle Zomp before this is all said and done. Let's move on to 2013, the first televised biker combat match is broadcast. <laughs> Humanity still loves itself some hyper-violence. Freedom, uh-huh.
1: We'll hear about that later. Yeah. <laughs>
0: 2014, a man by the name of Daniel Howling Coyote, who's really pissed off at the global governments who keep on killing his peoples, announces the gathering of the Native American nations. It's widely not taken very seriously by the world. Daniel Howling Coyote, insanely based. We'll talk more about him. Oh, yeah. 2015, Mexico becomes Azitlan, backed heavily by the Oreo Corporation, which would eventually be named as Technology. Hong Kong splits from China and is heavily supported by England. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Moving on to 2016, Daniel Howling Coyote declares war on the United States and Canada. He demands the removal of all non-native descendants from the greater Americas. Shortly after, Redondo Peak erupts in New Mexico. Howling Coyote claims responsibility and that more natural disasters will happen if all non-natives do not leave. Not only is this claim widely disregarded, but Vice President William Jarman passes Executive Order 17-321, the extermination of the Native American tribes. Ooh, Vice President Jarman.
3: (laughs) He has a dumb name.
0: (laughs) Also, the Ares Corporation buys NASA around this time. Oh, that's not sus. In 2017... The Great Ghost Dance. Daniel Howland Coyote says, Hey, get the fuck off my land. Why are you not getting off my land? Then on August 17th at 1032 AM, Mounts Hood, Rainier, St. Helens, and Adams all erupt at once.
2: Dude, that's where I live. Faced. And entire
0: cities are removed from the map.
2: No, oh, that's Portland. That's OK.
0: The United States and Canadian governments are suddenly very interested in peaceful negotiations. The Treaty of Denver is swiftly drafted in response. And then in 2018, the United States and Canadian governments agree to the Treaty of Denver, wherein large portions of the United States and Canada are returned to Aboriginal populations. These states eventually make up the Native American nations of the Western Hemisphere, as Atlanta is formally recognized as a nation during these discussions. Also in 2018, the first generation of artificial sensory induction systems technology, I will call it a from here on out, is developed right in Chicago. This is what lets you surf the Matrix as you know it within the game.
2: Oh, you mean Neuralink? Basically, yeah. Right. This is early
0: synsense and Matrix interface tech. It's primitive and clunky, but it is functional.
2: Right, it's the first.
0: Dan Truman of Truman Technologies quickly buys up all the rights to the technology. Uh, Also around this time, Civil War breaks out in China. From 2019 to the mid-2020s, Chicago is an entertainment and tech powerhouse, quickly becoming a second city (laughs) to Hollywood and San Francisco. Uh, back in 2019, to end the teens on a happy note, the first successful cyber limb is installed. Leonora Bartoli, a violinist, is able to play after receiving her new arm. Oh, that is cool. Let's discuss the 2020s. In 2021, goblinization starts to happen around the world. Roughly 10% of the population begin to undergo painful transformations. I'm not sure if it's actually canon but it's my understanding that this is less like being born an elf or a dwarf and more like going through a painful puberty metamorphosis orcs and trolls are the first to appear but others like goblins start to show up later and the term meta-humanity that i used earlier finally begins to see formal usage england's king george the seventh is killed when he begins to goblinize into a troll oh george in 2022 vita strain 2 outbreaks around the world It had a lower mortality rate compared to its predecessor, but it was far more infectious. The disease could spread through airborne transmission, making containment and treatment even more challenging. Medical facilities and government agencies are rapidly overwhelmed, but not before taking another 10% of the population before all is said and done. And in 2023, the Humanist Poly Club is founded, advocating for human rights. Mind you, not metahuman rights. This is the pink-skinned, button-nosed humi kind of rights. We'll talk more about them later. The International Corporate Court is founded in 2023, and it moves their global headquarters to the Freedom Space Habitat, which was purchased from Ares, and proclaims authority over all extraterritorial corporations. The Supreme Court also rules in favor of metahuman rights.
2: Okay, so this International Corporation Court is essentially the court of the, like, almost like UN, right?
0: Four companies, yes. Yeah,
2: four companies, Okay. Which is becoming just as powerful as nation states. Absolutely, yes. Yes, okay. In
0: 2024, the first commercially available SimSense products hit the market. This new tech is a smash success and quickly reshapes the entertainment industry and its markets.
2: Keyboards, mice, what do you need that for?
0: This is especially popular with like media and video games. Mm -hmm. But yeah, why why are you sitting at your computer when you could sit in your, your virtual computer? A year later, 2025, the Seattle Police Department throws in the towel private police force Lone Star takes over as the major police force of Seattle. The lucrative contract helps the organization grow and develop into a massive corporation. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, Southside Revitalization begins under Dan Truman's guidance, a project to create a corporate homestead with him, bringing many gangs and politicians to get land for cheap along the way. Created Homeless are given next-gen prototype SimSense technology in reparations under the guise of quote-unquote market research. Mm -hmm. But this instead makes the first wave of SimSense addicts while the bugs are still being worked out.
2: There's a World Economic Forum advertisement saying just this.
0: In 2026, SkyTrack Southside Monorail begins and finishes production in a flurry of construction. Seven stories high and brightly lit, it's like a beacon of progress for the entire region it's just a transportation rail but it's marketed like a brand new disney world right in the heart of chicago Mm,
5: cool it changed everything right
0: i compare this at least in my mind to in the the batman movies when they have the trams running above the city it allowed people to get around more right jumping over to 2028 the university of chicago begins a bachelor's of science in magical studies under the philosophy department the first of its kind in the world some of the best mages in the world move into Chicago, with a focus on theory rather than industrial or practical applications. And magic begins to be taken seriously at an academic level. Unfortunately, a lot of the progress in the world is wiped away, in 2029, as the Crash Virus of 2029 breaks out. The Matrix crashes, and it crashes hard. Ooh. The Crash Virus destabilized world governments and destroyed space colonies, causing the inhabitants to die a slow oxygen-starved asphyxiation death. And led to the outright dissolution of various corporations. The world economy, especially amongst industrialized nations, suffered greatly, and the crash led to riots and the formation of several new nations. The whole dynamic sets the stage for cyber warfare for years to come, and recovery technology from before this time is referred to as lost tech. Very valuable to the right buyer. Hmm.
2: So that stuff from like the late 2020s is like valuable stuff
0: super valuable stuff. Even if it's just like USBs, like if there's data that existed before then, even just the algorithms that we use to encrypt it, that's valuable.
5: Okay. And these are sad times.
0: Speaking of sad times, let's move on to the 2030s. By 2032, the first cases of HMHVV, that's human metahuman variant virus, are recorded. This means that ghouls, vampires, other sorts of, I'm going to say necrotic or ghoulish sorts of horrors are dynified as the virus is isolated the corporate court begins investigating heavily in the infrastructure of what will eventually become the new matrix since the previous one just crashed and by 2033 basketball becomes the first major league sport to allow cyber limbs this is also the time of the nanosecond buyout one of those events that might be worth discussing in its own separate thing which leaves damian knight in control of Ares. way to go damian knight so buyouts on the stock exchanges are now in nanoseconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. Oh yeah, for sure. 2034, the formation of Shir is formed over in Ireland as a exclusively elven nation. Turns yeah. out they were there all along, non-elves get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Jumping forward to 2036, the anarchist movement Black Scar starts in Chicago during an international meeting. It's heavily modified after Fifth World Anarchist movements. Just as megacorporations and magicians are gathering in the city, so are the rebels and gangers. 2036, the 14th Amendment to the UCAS Constitution implements System Identification Numbers, otherwise known as SINS. Around this time, the terrorist group Alamos 20,000 firebombs a rural village in Ohio, citing metahuman hatred as its cause. Killing 20. Present
2: your sins, present your sins. Yeah, that's not... uh, On the nose? Yeah, on the nose, for sure.
0: Well, it gets worse. 2039, February 7th, we gotta talk about the Night of Rage. This sweeps across the UCast in a fit of bigoted anti-metahuman rioting and mass murders. Thousands are killed after metahuman rights bills pass in Congress and are signed by the President. Jump a few days later to February 10th, midday during lunch. The Sears Tower is knocked down in a terrorist attack, amassing 26,000 casualties. Ooh. That same group, Alamos 20,000, claimed responsibility using magic and explosives to destroy the tower and the surrounding buildings for blocks around the epicenter. If that weren't enough, a gas line rupture set the loop on fire, but it was fortunately contained within the hour by an army of mages. Hey, it's a good thing Chicago invested in that, right? Right. The immediate area is known since then as the Shattergraves, and all sorts of nasty and dangerous things live in there. It's mostly quiet at night around there. Alamos 20,000 planted false evidence that this was a MetaHuman response to the Night of Rage, which forced governments and the Corps to ship MetaHumans and four humans alike to the Northside housing projects slash labor camps. They didn't really talk about that last part though. Many stuck in the containment zone to this day got their starts from this deportation. 2039-2050, the Mob steps in, creating The Noose informally, and controls a large section of the city. Their territory expands from the waterfront to Western Avenue and North Avenue to Surmac Road, approximately 17 square miles of purely mob-owned land. Later in 2039, the Cabrini-Green government housing project was attempted to be evicted by their new owners, the Mathers Group. Violence erupted, 32 deaths, and millions of Newian million in damages from rioting, as well as halting an attempt for redevelopment. Gangs were hired to police the area and collect rent, (laughs) quote-unquote, keeping crime low, but citizens in fear. Cops were also paid off to look the other way by the group. I should mention, I I just said a word there, Nuyen. I don't think I I brought that up before.
2: Mm -mm, Yeah, right. Nope.
0: Money crashed. I I should have brought this up during the crash virus, maybe. Yeah. It's not worth anything anymore. And the world adapted. There's other currencies out there, but the most commonly traded one, the most accepted one, is called Nuyen. Mm-hmm. From here on out, if I'm talking about money, nine out of ten times I'm talking about it being a newian Digital currency. I look at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping forward in 2053, the Justice Network would eventually expose the Mathers Syndicate, the people responsible for this, on pay-per-view TV. Public unrest following would force the city into action, who would take control and then immediately declare the grounds abandoned. We'll talk about why that's important in a second. But back in 2039, a serial killer is caught and convicted for the first time using evidence gathered from the testimony of a spirit.
2: Okay, using evidence gathered, okay.
0: We summon this person and we ask him, hey, who shot who you? Killed yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly efficient. Right. We are going to jump to the 2050s. Not that things didn't happen in the 2040s, but we'll get on with it. In 2050s, the 7th generation cyber decks are approximately the size of a keyboard and they begin to enter circulation. 2052, Bioware hits the public market. If you don't want a cyber arm, hey, you could get a vat-grown one. It's a little more expensive, but you could feel stuff. At least more than with that artificial SimSense stuff. 2053, public opinion in the UCAS was trending towards ghoul rights, and Mayor Ronald Quince was sagging in the polls. As a consequence, he jumped on the bandwagon, along with MetaHuman Rights Coalition leader Tamir Gray. Together, along with some lobbying, passed Special Order 162, the Gabrini Refuge Act. Which allowed ghouls to live in abandoned areas hey you remember earlier when i mentioned that residence that was declared abandoned because of the rioting why don't we just throw all the ghouls in there problem solved wipe our hands done
5: that's not the right thing to do
0: with this 600 squatters were immediately evicted from the area and this would lead to the formation of ghoul town public opinion rapidly shifts against ghouls as next-door neighbors over a hundred ghouls are killed by a humanist polyclub club mob wielding assault rifles and rocket launchers Oh boy. These ghouls managed to survive the assault, having anticipated the attack and hid underground, eating the mob when they came inside of the refuge. The Cabrini Refuge Act protected them from the prosecution since they acted in self-defense. Knight Errant puts heavy patrols in the area in a legitimate defense of the ghoul community in a first of its kind.
2: Knight Errant, okay. Uh,
0: another private military police okay. force. Knight Errant is like the hotshots of the policing world too. If you if you mess with them, you are done screwed up. Okay. They also were heavily kicked out of Chicago, but we'll talk about that. By mid to late 2054, night errant contract lapses and Humanus plants nerve gas on a ghoul child as a pretext for a race war, causing massive casualties on all sides. The Gabrini Act is rescinded, but ghouls still don't leave, keeping a low, simmering tension. 2055, it wouldn't be Chicago if we didn't bring up the bugs. Insect spirits finally see enough man in the world to begin to cross over. The Universal Brotherhood, a shell organization who's infested by the spirits of these bugs, have been running for years and rapidly increases the number of kidnappings they do worldwide. Around this time, Airy CEO Damian Knight mysteriously learns about these bugs. And around this time, August 22, 2055, a raid by Knight Errant issued to gain control of Chicago fails to contain the bug problem. And the next day, August 23, 2055, Knight Errant authorizes the containment zone wall be erected. Construction slash demolition is approved by the UCAS government. Thousands of fleeing citizens are labeled as rioters and shot. The UCAS government takes control of Eagle Security Forces and all news outlets in Chicago. They tell the citizens that there are no bugs but a new strain of vitas a lie to pacify them. Mm-hmm. They say you are quarantined for the safety of the country. And all the manufactured video
2: videos supporting their narrative.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all coming straight from the source. August 26, 2055, the military formally steps in to control any asset of value, and gangs quickly take over anything that's not. Daniel Truman leaves the city and runs whatever he can remotely. His 16-year-old daughter, Melissa Truman, is trapped and left behind. Attempts by him to recover her and his business are all failures. October 1st, 2055, Ares Firewatch tries to plant a nuke in the Cermak Power Plant, on Cermak and Halstead of Chicago. Bug Queens quickly erect a powerful magical barrier and contain the detonation in what becomes a hyper-irradiated zone. All the bugs in that area, but luckily not the rest of Chicago, are not killed, but instead go into a torpor. But they can wake up if disturbed. The public doesn't know immediately, but they do eventually find out. Ares and Knight Errant withdraw from the containment zone in defeat due to bad PR. Which is why you don't hear about them much in our game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After detonating a nuke, you don't get a lot of people interested in keeping you around. Uh, fun facts, the nuke name is Damocles, the site was the Cermak Blast Crater. The rumor is that the reason it failed was due to intel by bugs who had infiltrated inside of Ares. So these bugs can hide within people, huh? Yes. Ooh, okay. hate them so much. Yeah. Can't trust them. Couple days later, October 24th, the Containment Zone wall is completed. Nearby skyscrapers are detonated to make walls the size of buildings. The National Security Council moles sending in a strategic nuclear warhead, but ultimately votes down the idea. The public is still being lied to at this time, but doubts that it's a cover story. Shadowrunners exporting information on what's going on are coveted in the city. A few months later, December of 2055, info on bug spirits are spread out widely to the public by Shadowlands BBS, which is like what Retin communicates with when he's on the Matrix. Chicago is informally renamed Bug City at this time. Riots between Chicago refugees and Detroit natives are violently put down by Ares, both of which are just trying to flee the bug crisis. Knight Errant and Ares receive a massive backlash over all of the riots and revelations. Damian Knight wonders if there's not a more permanent solution to their PR problems. Meanwhile, Mafia dons trapped inside of the containment zone make Chicago irrelevant. Don Leo McCaskill of Milwaukee, former Lieutenant of O'Malley crime family, assumes control, sends a relative of Brian O'Malley to Seattle to oversee the Fittigan operations after the Yakuza defeat and the Sapola rings are pushed hard there. Even though they're trapped in Chicago, it seems like their reach goes all across the nation. Around mid-2056, Truman Technologies formally relocates to Los Angeles, acquired soon after by Ares Global Entertainment, and then Pathfinder Multimedia shortly after, which is a Horizon subsidiary. Just goes to show how quickly you could lose control of a corporation if you don't have a firm grasp on it. Around this time, the Milton v. Illinois case happens. The Illinois Supreme Court declares that squatters who stay somewhere for more than 15 years without eviction own that land. Corporations and others within the holdings inside the containment zone firmly reject this claim, but they couldn't financially prove otherwise to maintain their holdings. After all, everyone left after the nukes came by. Also, in 2056, Dunkelzahn is formally recognized as a citizen of the UCAS. Jumping up to 2057, the diaries of Tamir Gray, the metahuman rights group leader I mentioned earlier, about an aid worker who turned into a ghoul and then continued to help people who were smuggled out of the containment zone are widely sold throughout the UCAS, cementing ghoul acceptance in the public. By August 9, 2057, Dunkelzahn is elected president of the UCAS. Thirteen hours later, Dunkelzahn is assassinated. Dunkelzahn's assassination pushes Chicago to the background of the news cycle. And I really should take the time to talk about Dunkel-Zahn sometime, he's kind of a big deal in the world. There's kind of too much to say in this one sitting, but as a result of his death, something called the Draco Foundation is formed, which is a uh, the Draco Foundation kinda has its fingers in everything. It, its whole existence is based off fulfilling the agenda that on had.
2: Oh, so there's zealots following a dogma.
0: Hmm, I guess you could see it that way.
2: I'll praise the holy Dunkelzahn.
0: Dunkelzahn's a cool guy. I will not tolerate this. <laughs> but, like, one day, it, you know, if we have a Patreon that we need to fulfill or something like that, I think it would be cool to sit down and go through Dunkelzahn's will. It's a hilarious document, actually.
5: <laughs> Sounds cool.
0: That's not today's discussion. That's for that's for future us. I, I said 13 hours earlier. But, yeah, Dunkelzahn serves a 10-hour sentence before being assassinated. Then the site where he's assassinated, a huge astral rift hovers in the scene for years to come.
2: Oh, astral, it's so, okay. Strange spirit creatures were coming through that, I'm
0: sure. Something started breaching through the rift. Oh, boy. Let's jump to 2058, February 22nd. Ares and Palestrian Industries introduces fluorescing astral bacteria, strain 3 delta. Gotta call it VAP3 from now on. Into the Chicago skies and Operation Extermination. It killed most of the bugs, but also many magically awakened individuals. Ooh. Good thing they invested heavily in magic, right? It was a
5: very dark time.
0: This is known as Project Aegis, declared a success after just 12 hours, but boy did it leave people pissed off. Ghoul population is devastated. Ghouls in this world, after all, are magically active beings. Mm-hmm. They can't exist without that connection. And there are almost no survivors. Cabrini Green, the place where all of them were squatting after they were told to get the fuck out, becomes an acropolis of the dead. Tamir Gray's death is attributed to this, but his body was later recovered uh, years later, when there was little evidence linking Ares to this. Following Tamir's death, Blaine Hammond takes over and is far more radical in his militancy of keeping ghouls alive. The ghoul town that you see in 2080 and the ghoul town that you might see in early 2050s are not the same towns. Other mages and most astral creatures died as well during this time, which leaves Chicago, particularly mana starved.
2: Uh, My character would have been alive around this time or very young
0: were you in the chicago area or were you in a because you're from the west coast right right so you probably heard about this if you were magically active during that time too this so this was a local thing this happened in chicago yeah they released fab Ah. 3 to deal with the bugs gotcha by 2058 president hefner reopens the containment zone to the public pulling the military back and leaving no official security at the border yeah good idea in result massive riots break out as refugees stream out of the zone a wave of murders due to bug paranoia follow. Right. And the Astral Space Preservation Society, ASPS, which is formed in Duncan Zahn's will, takes over Elemental Hall as their official global headquarters, which is in Chicago, in order to clean up Chicago's manosphere. Efforts are severely hampered by lingering Fab 3 still in the air. Around this time, Anthony Presbytero was elected governor of Illinois by a wide margin, offering to clean up Chicago. And now that something is apparently being done, public opinion flips on a dime, and Ares slash Night Errant are seen as heroes. Night Errant gains a contract to manage all security in Chicago once again. We're gonna speed up things here a little bit. So within the range of 2058 to 2072 or so, the Chicago containment zone chaos spreads to the wider metroplex as gangs slowly control more and more of the city. By 2063, Calumet Harbor reopens, which displaces the makeshift smuggling harbors that took over during the quarantine. Around this time, O'Hare Airport is reopened under joint military and corporation control and is heavily fortified against any and all magical intrusion. Used mostly for shipping supplies in and out of the city, the Red Cross uses it as a forward operations base in the area. 2064, Crash 2.0 shocks the world, another Matrix Crash, and causes the city of Chicago to declare bankruptcy, dissolve, and the mayor to commit suicide by gunshot. Matrix services are oddly fine inside of the containment zone, since so they never upgraded the Chicago infrastructure, and the population was already used to old imported tech anyways. Various surrounding communities like South Milwaukee, Gary, Naperville, Brolling Book, Joliet, and the O'Hara area, they all grab whatever they can and divide anything that's not in the containment walls for themselves. I guess we could talk a little bit more about Crash 2.0 as one of those big deal things. It was caused by a hostile AI called Deus. Davis is another one of those people that we could just spend time talking about one day. He upgraded himself into Matrix godhood. Efforts from opposing AI as well as other Shadowrunners were able to prevent this, but it nearly destroys the Matrix in the process. Many are trapped inside of the Matrix for years following, and hardware globally is destroyed as a result of the feuding AIs. A new wireless Matrix is born as the aftermath, and the emergence of Technomancers is not received well. Peings who can access computers and data systems using nothing but their mind. In the 2070s, communities band together as desperate people form in the Chicagoland area. Normal life is difficult, but possible, and corporations mostly ignore the space since it's not profitable. By 2071, the first census showing an increase in Chicago's population since 2055 is logged in the books. By 2074, Mayor Presbytero wins reelection in his last term in office and is joined by newcomer Alan Brown as the mayor of Chicago. Around this time, Operation Take Back, A joint Illinois slash Chicago slash federal slash political slash corporate effort to rebuild the city is underway. The slogan, Healing Chicago for You and Your Family, is plastered everywhere in a bid for public support. It works for everyone but the gang leaders and the anarchists who liked their independence. We're from the government and we're here to help. By June 1st, 2075, Milton versus Illinois, that ruling I cited earlier, is overturned, rescinding adverse possession. What this means is citizens who fled before and corporations rapidly rush in to reclaim anything and anything under the flimsiest of justifications, or the cheapest of purchases. To remind, Milton versus Illinois was the statement that said if you squat in a place for 15 years, you own it. After they rescinded that, a lot of corporations said, hey, can I help but notice you're in my building. You should get out of my building. And after nearly 20 years of being missing, a lot of these mega corporations tried to move right back in. The trick is, after one year, any remaining unclaimed property will be seized and auctioned off by the city of Chicago. And there are two caveats to that even. Any extraterritoriality or tax exemption status would be taxed for five years to fund utilities investment. They had until June 1st of 2079 to physically take possession, build those, rebuild and begin operations or the city would seize it under eminent domain. Shadowrunners were hired in droves by all interested parties to try and drive anyone and everyone away from the land. They prove ownership, create ownership, they reclaim data, they clear the land, or just otherwise generally cause chaos. Whatever the corporations needed them to do. And then by winter of 2075, all of the major corporations and AAA companies have landed in the Chicago Metroplex or Containment Zone. The paradise we had is lost. But luckily by 2076, Melissa Truman, who's now 37, is finally reunited with her father. Yay. June of 2076, CFD places Boston in lockdown. CFD stands for Cognitive Fragmentation Disorder. That's when you have so much cyberware in you that you start developing separate personalities. If you're familiar with cyberpunk, cyberpsychosis is a very good example of what this plays out like. And then by September of 2077, Chicago's Matrix Megagrid is brought online by Mitsuhama, who won the contract in 2074. Everywhere outside of the containment zone is covered in the most advanced matrix node software and hardware in the world. Many areas in the containment zone are still just a little too toxic or dangerous to approach for them, and increased sabotage incidents by shadowrunners in the area hamper this progress as well. By September of 2079, Neonet has its AAA status revoked for 10 years. That was a AAA company that I didn't mention, which allowed for Spinred Global to move in and claim all of their assets, especially in the Chicago blank state market. And then finally we could talk about the year 2080, which is the year that we'll be playing in.
2: So what's the current state of AI in the world? How often does one, you know, it's predicted that we may even have AI in your garden sprinkler, you know?
0: So AI are, uh, I'm not gonna say they're uh, like a a daily name, but like if you work in the security field, like IT security or whatever, you definitely are aware that AI exists.
2: So it's usually in security or special operations, like of a factory kind of thing.
0: Uh, a lot of times a corporation will like have a, an arcology, like a fully self-sufficient superstructure. And they'll have an AI that runs that arcology and runs the life support for the arcology and runs the security cameras for the arcology. Like,
3: it even tells you when to get up and when to go to school and what to learn. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Some people <laughs> live their entire lives without ever walking out of the arcology.
5: It's pretty amazing stuff. My uh, microwave sings to me as it cooks my burritos.
0: My favorite is the cars that say konnichiwa to you when you get into them.
5: Your burrito is gone. Like when the toilet talks to you.
2: Hello, Clinton. So nice to see you again. It sings to you, right? It's your birthday. Happy birthday to you.
0: Here's a 15% discount on your next monthly subscription to Grid Guide.
2: Right, I'm getting out of the car now.
0: Well, that's the world that we're going to be living in. There are books that take place as far as, like, November of 2080. I'll be honest, I'm not super interested in running through that, mostly because I think that stuff's copyrighted. If you're really interested in hearing what's going on in Chicago in 2080, a lot of the splat books will explain. Like uh, Cutting Black is one of the ones I could recommend picking up. Okay. I just was
2: curious as to, you know, what does my character know of the recent events? And this is it.
0: Yes. By 2080, all of this, if it's not public information, it's at least public hearsay
2: right there are ways of finding out through the ether and or the matrix Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i thought it would be useful to take an hour or so and go over this because it sets the the foundation for the world we're going to be playing in
2: so are there laser pistols and things like that or is there more like high-tech there are
0: laser pistols and stuff like that but you Mm -hmm. need a hell of a power source to run them Usually you'll put that on, like, the back of a drone or, you know, a big vehicle or something like that. It's still pretty big. Pistol is the word I have most issue with that. Maybe, but why would you get that when you could just go to Ares and pick up a new gun?
2: Right. The guns work just fine. Okay. All
0: right, I guess we can call it there, then. I'd be just ever so delighted if you followed us along in our Shadowrun adventures. I guess reach out if you have any other questions. We could, we could be reached in ways. We have a, a Discord that we're really active on. <laughs>
1: discord's probably the best way to contact us and that should probably be in the show notes yeah i'll have that in the show description you'll you'll find it there
5: well thank you very much listeners for listening to our session zero of bug city blues
0: it's a shadow run podcast check it out probably wherever you can find fine podcasts
4: and we'll talk to you next time on bug city blues
1: (laughs) or the first time
4: Let's say, do we all just kind of want to say bye? <laughs> yeah, do it.
1: Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. bye Goodbye. Bye. Please
3: tune into the show.
4: Bye. See you again soon.
3: The
0: Tops Company Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and/or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Tops Company Inc. has granted permission to Bug City Blues to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with Bug City Blues in any official capacity whatsoever.